0: Hi hi Everything's fine Everything's fine everything's fine Everything is fine. Hey everybody everything's fine Everything. Hey everything's fine. fine Relax Everything is just fine. It's fine Finally the Bob has come back to Everything's Fine. Welcome to Wanko Wednesdays, baby.
1: Where you been? <laughs> I've been busy. I, uh, my wife and I had a child last Wednesday, so it was quite a process. We were in the hospital for, for like five days uh, from start to finish, and so that has been taking up a lot of my time. So I've, I've been sleeping about three hours a night and just uh, hanging on for dear life here, man.
0: Listen, I don't want to make it all about me, but she's already ruining my podcast and my podcast schedule.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, she she sends an apology for that. Um, it's been it's been a lot, uh, but you know, uh, we're here to talk a little baseball uh, and uh, on everything's fine, which it is not with the Phillies. Um, and uh, you know, you step away for about ten days and you come back, and your season's pretty much over with two and a half weeks left. So
0: that's exciting. In solidarity with you, not writing. Yeah. I haven't watched a Phillies game in probably like the last two weeks now that football's back.
1: Yeah, you haven't really missed much. I think the uh, the first weekend of college football, like the week zero, kind yeah. of was like the end of uh, the attention span for a lot of people with the Phillies uh, this season, I think.
0: I saw you write your first article today, and you just absolutely buried him. And I was like, oh, he's back. He's feeling it.
1: Yeah, it was nice. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, you know, I I was – calling somebody else like I haven't been watching every inning of every game and I mean for the last five years I've probably watched every inning of every game Um, and if I had missed it in real time I'd go back and and watch it down just to make sure I had everything. The last week or so uh, has not been high on my priority list but I've obviously been keeping an eye on it and I saw what they did this weekend against the Rockies and I saw a little bit of it. And then last night I had to – I didn't go to the stadium. I'm not back to the stadium yet. I'm trying to help my wife here. But, you know, we still have the Zoom calls at home. And So I sat down, got into the office, watched a game, and I just said, you know what, I'm not going to wait. Like, let's just, let's just bury them. You know, I'm back to write the obituary, so to speak. And it's warranted. I'm sorry. Like, we are guilty of times of overreacting. And I know that the math says that there are only two and a half games out of wild card and there's still more than two weeks left to play. And, you know, by Friday, they could they could have the second wild card in their grasp if everything broke right, but they're done. And I said it <laughs> a month ago, you tried to, like, shove it up me, uh, you know, shove it up where the sun don't shine. I'm a, I'm a dad now. I'm going yeah, to play a PC and all that stuff. But, um, I mean, I was right, <laughs> you know? <Like> I, <laughs> it just, it's just, it's a shame. I mean, like, you, you want them to do well for the city and you see how people got excited and it, it just, it's a shame, but it's Bryce Harper and a, a bunch of guys that aren't good enough right now.
0: We'll always have the Mets series, Bob.
1: Yeah. Where were you those three days against the Mets when, when the Mets couldn't you know, hit their way out of a wet paper bag and the Phillies took advantage of it and tricked everybody, myself included, a little bit uh, into thinking that this might be a little bit of a different outcome?
0: The funny thing is, yesterday, I watched the first three innings and then the Mets documentary came on, the part one. I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this. I want to watch it. I want to say it. I'm excited for it. I, I love the 86 Mets. I just love guys who are just like villains, entertaining, don't give a shit about anything and whatnot. And that was exactly what the 86 Mets were. Part one was okay. Part two got a little better. I still got to finish that. But I didn't miss anything from innings three to six. Cubs go up 4-1. And I'm glad I wasted my time on the Mets documentary and not the Phillies and they're pitching. Yeah,
1: rules. I can't blame you, man. Like, I mean, there were a little over 16,000 people there last night. There's absolutely no belief uh, in this team whatsoever.
0: Lowest attendance since 2017, I saw.
1: Yeah. It's not a fun product to watch, and you're kind of just waiting for the next mess up, you know, when you watch them play. Like last night, the beginning of the game, I think they had their leadoff man on the first four innings. Uh, they had only scored one run, so they wasted some opportunities early on in the game, and Kyle Gibson was really good those first four innings, and in the fifth inning it was horrible. Uh, you know, just couldn't locate, made a number of bad pitches. Uh, an awful Cubs team capitalized, and uh, the Phillies weren't good enough and don't have enough firepower to respond to that. You know, and, like, after the game last night, Joe Girardi, I think, was frustrated, and rightfully so. And But then, you know, notes, hey, like, we still have time. We we can go. We, we still have an opportunity in front of us. And Kyle Gibson sort of echoed those same thoughts, but they don't. You know, like yeah. – Sometimes you can look at the math and say, like, sure, they're in it. Um, But I just think, you know, that, like, they had so many opportunities, more opportunities than they could have reasonably asked for, you know, this season. And they wasted them, you know. And and I just don't think that they're going to recover. Like, maybe they bounce back and beat the Cubs here a couple times. Maybe, you know. Um, But I just don't think – there's really any reason to believe that they're going to get it together. It's the same stuff from Aaron Nola. It's the same offensive inconsistencies. It's the same late game issues. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, man, like I love baseball and I, I love covering baseball and writing about it, but this season has been a, a slog. Like it has been, I'm not, and I know we've talked about this a lot. Like I don't root for the Phillies anymore. I, I really don't. Um, but I do want them to win. You know, I, I want them to win for for the fans, for the city, and for all these people that
0: deserve it. For you, too.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, it's good for, for uh, the website personally. It's good for me personally. More people are reading the stuff. Nobody wants to read about, you know, oh, it's another missed opportunity for the Phillies. Like, I mean, how many times can you write the same shit, right? <laughs> um but, like, there's – I've really just not had a lot of belief in this team. After they kind of hit the skids following the Mets series, that was when I was like, this team's a fraud. Mm-hmm. And they they sort of rebounded and they got hot a little bit again and, and made everybody sort of, like, take another look. But I was out at that point. And I just don't – I just don't think that this team can do it. Uh, and, in my opinion, their relevance ended on Sunday afternoon – when they lost their third game to the Rockies out of four and the Eagles, you know, started the season with a big win down in Atlanta. I just, I think that the Phillies are now uh, utterly irrelevant again, outside of maybe Bryce Harper overcoming the rest of this team's incompetence uh, to snag an MVP, which. Okay. I mean, that's great. Um, I don't know if I'm just like a jaded and like, uh, you know, jaded sports writer guy, or I'm just working on a lack of sleep. But, like, I don't even really care about that because the team
0: is just so uninspiring. So, so great. Did, when Jimmy won the MVP, did they make the playoffs? Was that 2007? Yeah, it was that 2007. Was the
1: comeback? I mean, he literally propelled them at the end there into that, that postseason berth. And it's nothing against Bryce Harper. I mean, he's been awesome, man. Like, the Phillies have gotten everything they could have reasonably expected out of Bryce Harper. And, like, you want to see guys, your guys do well and win MVPs. It's good for your, his brand, the Phillies' relevance moving forward, all that stuff. But, you know, if it's going to come in an 81-81 an season that ends with the 10th straight October with no postseason baseball, like, you know, it's, I, I think in a way, like, people are going to be happy for Bryce Harper, but they're, they're going to be pissed at the Phillies because mm-hmm. – Inevitably, they're going to be all over social media touting his greatness. And he's going to say, like, great, like, awesome. You know, you're home again. Um, and it's just not good enough.
0: So this team, good core, bad chemistry, bad chemistry, bad core, bad core, good chemistry. Like, yeah. is, there, is there a framework?
1: We, we've talked about
0: this a couple times, I, I guess, on the show, right? Like, I've been talking about,
1: like, this lack of – Cohesiveness, like there's just this, this like, missing intangible with this group, and like I think you're seeing that again here, man. Like you're talking about a Rockies team that was 30 games under 500 on the road coming into Philadelphia, while the Phillies had everything to play for, and like they they couldn't find a way to like win that series. You know, I would say they should sweep that series, all things considered. They couldn't find a way to to win it or even split it. Like, I think you have to look at some point about the, the mentality, the, the the makeup, the, the you know, fire, some intangible that you can't put your finger on. Um, I just think it's the latest example of it. So I don't know. Like, I, I don't think that these are bad guys, right? Like it's yeah. just hard to work through when you talk about like chemistry. Like, I don't think that these are bad guys. I don't think these are guys that um, don't care about winning, like, or that don't have pride, you know, like I'm sure that they all show up at the park and they're doing everything they can to win games and fight through injuries and do their best. But it just isn't working for this group. And I, I just think that maybe more than anything else in the back of their minds, like they know that they haven't performed mm-hmm. at a high level in these types of situations in the past. And, and it's somehow creeping into their minds, whether it's consciously or subconsciously.
0: Do and you I'm think that they're level. probably not good enough either. Like in the back of their minds are like,
1: yeah. I think that they know, like we've blown so many opportunities and like, here we are. And like,
0: I that eight-game win streak kind of felt like it wasn't – it didn't feel, like, real in the, in the grand scheme of things. Like it didn't feel like this was a team that's like, these guys one eight straight. They can do that in October.
1: Yeah, I just think that there's a combination of a lack of talent. Some injuries have hurt them. And, and I do think that those things and some of their failings in key spots, they have to add up. Like – if you don't perform the way that you feel you're capable of performing, two things are going to happen. Either you're going to get pissed off. You're going to get angry. You're going to dial in and take it up an extra notch, right? Or you're going to let that doubt sort of win. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's what is happening because it's unfair for me to say that. But, like, when you just look at the results, it's hard not to suspect that 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 doubt and that lack of belief is sort of taking over this team right now.
0: Now that you're a father – how would you raise this team for the future? How would you swaddle this team to make sure that they can compete going forward? Because I saw this stat. We've made the playoffs seven times in the last 38 years. That's yeah. wild.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know, we talk about 10 years, no playoffs, 10 years, no winning records, which they could still do here, and they very well might. But, you know, here's the deal, Like, I'm not there yet where I'm like, they got to go out and target this free agent. You know, like, but I I will say this. I just think on a higher level, you know, Dave Dombrowski sits back this year and he takes his notes and he says, like, where is this organization going wrong? What are they doing well? Where can they improve? And we talk about how aggressive he is by nature, right? Like, we all thought he was just going to come in and, like, you know, dynamite the farm system and at the trade deadline, he was going to sell everything, uh, you know, by way of prospects and go all in we didn't see that. We didn't see that type of aggressiveness, but I, I think when you talk about Dave Dombrowski and being aggressive, I think he has to understand the organization, where this organization's at it's desperation to get back to the postseason, And I, I expect an aggressive off season. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean go out and spend, you know, until you're blue in the face. It doesn't mean fire everybody, but I, I just expect, some wholesale changes, some aggressive changes that flips the dynamics of this team, Uh, you know, and we've, we've gone back and forth and like, I don't need to talk about hypothetical Reese Hoskins trades or anything like that, but I just would say right now that there's going to come a time this winter where you pick up your phone and you say, holy shit, you know, like they did that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know what that is yet. Like, I don't know what that move is, But I expect that front office to be extremely aggressive in exploring multiple avenues to fundamentally alter the makeup of this team. Because I think it is, if there's ever a team that really needs that jolt, that kick in the ass, it's this one. And it may come at the expense of parting ways with a player you like, or that, that is productive or has future upside. You know, this isn't as simple as just, well, this guy's not that good. Like we got rid of him and, and replace him with a better player. Like, they might do something that's a little bit uncomfortable, and I, I'm i starting to really feel like that that's what's going to happen.
0: Is there any chance John Milton gets on a plane and flies around the country? Talk to the big guys, how they feel about Girardi.
1: Yeah, I love that. You know, that's, that's one of my favorite stories from, from recent history. The, like, I just watched two seasons of a manager, but now I got to go take a, a tour around the country talking to my key players who have not earned the right to – dictate who their manager is, you know, um, who have not won and, and then make a decision off of that because I couldn't gather that data in front of my face while it was unfolding. I, I would assume that Joe Girardi's safe. I am hard-pressed to really, like, blame Joe Girardi at, at the highest level because I don't think the team is very good. And I watched the same team struggle with a manager who, as it turns out, is pretty good. You know, like I know everyone wants to like take credit away from Gabe Kapler because he has a good front office, but that's the point. Like Gabe Kapler also is getting resurgent years out of guys like Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey. Like you can't diminish what Gabe Kapler's done out there. So I just look at it and go like, how can you, if, if the move or the fix in their minds is like, we need a different manager. We need a different voice in the room. Like, Holy shit. Like, because that's not, that's not going to fix it. Um, and it's certainly not going to fix it alone. So I expect Joe Girardi to be back. Uh, you know, should he be, Uh, you could make an argument either way. Like I have not been overly impressed with the job he has done this year by any stretch of the imagination, but at the same time, you have to acknowledge some of the the shortcomings with which he's working.
0: Do you think this, Team would benefit from kind of like a, and this is just revisionist history. Recently, like like a David Ross type, just a grizzled vet that has been in it, that has been in the playoffs. Maybe hasn't won yet, but has been close. Or is that stupid? Now is like is, is like is are we too analytics heavy?
1: No, I mean listen, like I I coach baseball like at the high school level. I I do think that the voice in the room matters. Like if you're a coach, like you you certainly believe that you're making a difference. Right. But like, I'd be the first to acknowledge, like, you know, the program that I I coach at, you know, we have some pretty good players and that's why we've won a lot of games. I think that like you can do things when you have the the requisite talent to elevate it and get the most out of it. But, you know, if I show up in in, in a certain year where I know I don't have a lot, like we're we're not going to win as many games. Right. But, you know, I I do think that that coaching matters and, and managers matter. But I, when I just look at this team, I just think there's so many issues beyond the manager that, like, I just can't – like I, I have a hard time entertaining the manager discussion because I look at the farm system and I see a lack of, of help. And I look at the defense and, like, this is Major League Baseball. It's not an 8U team. Like, you got to catch the ball as a professional baseball player. A different manager isn't going to change that. That's a that's a talent deficiency.
0: Um, yeah, I, know, meant, bull- I meant more like – like Ross's role on the on the sixteen Cubs.
1: Yeah, you mean like? You, so you're just talking about like a guy? Like, like a guy?
0: Yeah, yeah like, like a guy that's like,
1: yeah, not as like a manager. Yeah, oh, exactly. all right. Oh, sorry, I mean. Yeah, I mean, could they like? Could they benefit from like guys who like have won and know how to win and have have been through it? Probably. You know, yeah. I mean, like, I I do think that when you're talking about intangibles and stuff, getting some some winners in in there that that have been down the, that path before, I think is important, because when you do look around this team, I mean, there's a couple guys that have some some experience, but not really. You know, uh, but. But again, I mean, I think you just step back and you look and, and you hope like Bryson Stott arrives at some point next year. To, like, is he good enough to, to be a, a meaningful difference maker? Like, he's had a nice year. He's, he's elevated his stock. But like, unfortunately, the product of being in Philadelphia is that sometimes I think you overlook it or you discount the potential of, of forthcoming prospects because they've had such little success with these players. You know, they've had such little success with the Scott Kingeries and the you know Alec Boom and his struggles this year. So when you say, like, hey, we have this kid that we really like, he might be able to come up and really do something for us. You kind of hold your breath and go, Yeah, we'll see.
0: Show me. Because then Dembrowski's bringing his guys in next year too, and we're not gonna know how that development's gonna happen after he just reshuffled the the whole organization.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's like a it's a very unstable situation, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the thing. You go into this off season and you just say wow, there's a lot to kind of mine through here. There's a lot to kind of decide about in terms of what directions you want to go. And this is an organization that just is kind of at a fork in the road. And I saw somebody tweeted out last night. I wish I could give him credit. I forget who said it. It might have been somebody from the good fight, maybe like Leo Morgenstern or Morgenstein or something like that. And I think he tweeted out something along the lines of like, you know, one thing that the Phillies could do, this offseason season is just spend $250 million rather than spend, you know, 195, 200 million on a 500 uh, team. And like, it sounds kind of ridiculous, but like, if you really want to win badly enough, like that is an option available to you, you know? So that's something that they they could also consider as well. I don't foresee them doing that. So I think they're going to have to really kind of, like I said, go back and, and do some uncomfortable things and make some big decisions. But that that is, that's a possibility. Just put your foot on the gas and go for it.
0: Um, I really,
1: really want to see them go out and add a a premium outfielder. You know, that's that's like that, you know, the Buxton type players of the world. Like I really think they need another guy who's a good athlete, who's a plus defender who can swing it. I mean, I really, really think the Phillies would benefit from that, but
0: I think the Phillies would benefit from not giving up home runs on no two counts anymore.
1: Yeah. That's become like a a thing. uh, Sixteen. Yeah. Uh, Destiny Legardo, uh, I think I put a a clip up the other day of every two out hit that the the Rockies had in their series, like 20 some hits, uh, which is insane. I mean, you do have to kind of, I think, internally evaluate your, your approaches, um, in the way that you're attacking hitters and your game planning, you know, and whether that falls on JT Realmuto, whether that that falls on Caleb Cotton, uh, you know, whether that, uh, falls on your advanced scouting. I, mean, I think that's something the Phillies are really going to have to take a long, hard look at this offseason because that's bizarre. And, you know, Aaron Nola um, has been especially prone uh, to those, those two out, two strikes, we're almost through this at bat, we're almost out of this inning uh, type of back-breaking mistakes. Uh, so they've got to get a handle on that.
0: All right. How do you feel about the birds? Let's 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 turn this, this conversation around a little bit. I know you're a big Eagles fan. You're probably yelling all over the place. I don't even know. Did you watch it in the hospital?
1: No, I was home for that. Uh I watched it very quietly though. Like yeah. the way that I watch Eagles games very much changed last weekend. So uh dude, I'm excited, right? Like I don't know what the Eagles are. Like I don't I don't have them in the playoffs necessarily after week one, but like there's no way that you could watch that game and not be impressed that a new coaching staff, uh, I thought, put together pretty good game plans. I know, you know, they had some questionable fourth down decisions and stuff. But, you know, you have to like the the creativity, the way that the offense ran for the most part. Uh, I thought Jalen Hurts looked about as good as you could possibly uh, want him to look. It looks like they have some playmakers on the perimeter. You know, Devonta Smith was outstanding. You know, they, they dialed up and schemed up some place for Jalen Rager, who I, I'm not quite ready to anoint as a – you know eight hundred to uh, thousand yard receiver quite yet, but I, I thought that both him and, and quez Watkins were were schemed up, and they were able to utilize some of their strengths and I think the biggest takeaway with the Eagles right now is that if they can stay healthy right like you could say this about any team in the NFL, but if this team stays healthy, mm-hmm. they have a shot to be pretty good just based on how strong they are on both the offensive and defensive lines, but if they experience the type of injuries that they 've experienced. Uh, the last couple of years, you know, in 18, 17, 18, uh, and to a lesser extent, 19, they were able to overcome some of those issues. They will not be able to overcome those issues this year because there's nothing behind. But if those lines can stay healthy and their prominent guys stay on the field, you know, this could be a fringe playoff team, especially after watching Washington and and New York and what they brought to the table
0: in week mm-hmm. one. Well, yeah, t- Taylor, Taylor Heineke is not winning the NFC East, even with that defense. And then... Mike McCarthy, just situa- situational, the situational awareness is insane. I mean, that, that, that field goal attempt at the 50-yard at the line, 60 yards, going into half, is just all you need to know about Mike McCarthy in terms of situations. He's lucky that Tom didn't, didn't shove that down his throat and get an easy three. I just, I think you're exactly right. I think you hit the nail on the head with this team goes the way the health goes. Like, they can be good all they want, but if that offensive line back there, you know, you see – pro football focus. Everyone's just retweeting that you know, this guy ended up being the best blocker. Jajal ended up being the best blocker on a wide receiver. Somalu against Grady Jarrett. I think Lane and Brooks might've been up there top five and whatnot. Like that's the kind of offensive line you get in the same way on the, uh, on the defensive line. I just, I hope Jalen gets his 17 games because man, if this guy can, can prove that he's a franchise quarterback in 17 games and we have two, maybe three first round picks next year, I mean, that's just, that opens up a world of possibility. Yeah, you're exactly right.
1: I mean, listen, I think that there's been this thought out here. And, and I mean, a lot of, lot of good reporters have been on this. There's, there's been a lot of talk about Deshaun Watson, about the Eagles not being totally sold on Jalen Hurts. And, and that's fine. But I would, I would think that the Eagles, you know, now that we're here, would give this kid every opportunity to, to prove that he's not the guy. Uh, just because to have the type of assets that they will have going into next year's draft to not have to address the quarterback position with those assets would be huge, you know? And listen, certainly Howie Roseman's had his issues at the draft. Uh, They've been well-documented people like to say like, well, what's the point of even having a first round pick? They're just going to fuck it up anyway. Well, like that's not how it works. Like having first round picks is going to uh, increase your chances or your likelihood of having success and drafting meaningful, difference-making talent. And to not have to use those resources to bring another quarterback in, whether it's via the draft or trade, to be able to build around a quarterback that you feel good about, in a young offense with promising players, man, like, uh, you know, like you said, you hope he gets 17 games, you hope he stays on the field, you hope the Eagles have some patience, uh, and really see what this kid can do. Um, the early returns were outstanding. Obviously, a much
0: different test this week. I've done a complete one hundred and eighty on Howie Roseman. Are you back? I, I I was never too too far on the I hate Howie Roseman side because that two thousand eighteen draft is shaping up to be one of the best drafts he's ever had. Uh, between Sweat, Milata, I think Miles Sanders is in that, or maybe Dallas Goddard, I don't. Know, I forget. I just know Avante Maddox is in there too, and it's it's just shaping up to be a good a good draft. Um, that man has done everything right in the preseason between trading Carson Wentz. I know we took the dead cap, but look at what that dork is doing over there in Indianapolis. Still can't slide six years in. I mean, I don't know if you saw that. He had, he had a, a patented car, Carson Wentz slide, and the ball went 10, 10 yards down the field. Um, and of course, they blew it dead. And then, you know, just, just kind of playing hardball with Zach Ertz was impressive. Like, overvaluing Zach Ertz in a way, And then having kind of this this top two tight end tandem, you know, drafting Devontae Smith, getting a first rounder and drafting Devontae Smith. And then, you know, it remains to be seen, but I think Howie might win executive of the year in the preseason for the first time. We're going to go
1: from, he sucks to, Howie's back on top to, he sucks to hear, you, you know, maybe that's just the nature of the
0: NFL. Like That's the Phillies. You, know? you, 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 you want to win a World Series? Here's 10 to 15 years of completely shitty teams. But yeah. you're going to get a World Series. Yeah. Howie, every couple of years. He sucks, but I actually does. do
1: think the, the dude kind of like I understand why people don't like him. He has like that kind of like that snake quality. He's like, that guy
0: that stabbed you in the back on a group project in college. I don't
1: think it like helps that his name's Howie. Like yeah. I, I just think like there's like a lot member. of things that that like work against the guy. But uh, when you kind of just stand back and like look at look at him, and and the the whole picture, like it's it's hard to say that he's done a bad job. And to be honest with you, one thing that you, you can absolutely not argue with, like the, the the Eagles, I'm sorry, were kind of like trending just towards utter mediocrity, right? And like maybe they could have thrown a couple more Band-Aids on the Carson Wentz project and and tried to keep him healthy and maybe, you, you know, try to work things out with Doug Peterson and you get to eight, nine wins again and maybe you make the playoffs, maybe you don't. I think the Eagles were able to understand, like, listen, even though it was their fault, and a lot of the front office decisions they made led them to that point. They said, like, we're not in a good spot. Like, they always remain ultra-aggressive. There are a lot of organizations that would have never, ever, ever, despite pro football-focused rankings, despite what the eye test told you last year, they would have excused away Carson Wentz's performance, and they would have said, like, let's run it back again. Let's just change a couple things up on the edges and do it again. And, And the one thing that, you know, you cover sports and you try not to be as, like, takey, you try not to be as, like, unfair to certain guys, But one thing I I really believed, and I believe this for a couple years now, is that Carson Wentz is a stone-cold loser. He is. Uh, I I really believe it. And I don't mean that to be funny. I don't mean that to try to, like, oh, here he comes with a a smoking hot take. I just think the guy's not that good, and I just don't think he has it. You know, that it quality. Um, I could be terribly wrong. You know, the, the Colts might win their next 16 regular season games. And, you know, the Reich-Wentz thing, and it'll be great, and, and all that. But I just don't believe in him at all um, from, from a mental, you know, makeup standpoint, from a character standpoint. And I think that there are a lot of questions about him in that locker room. You've read the stories over the last couple of years, and I think it just all kind of got to a point where it was like, nah,
0: yeah. hey, not and doing we, this again. And we blindly defended him because, I mean, what else were you going to do at that time? But I think yeah, you're what? exactly was- right.
1: Because as a fan, you know, you, you think you have the next guy. I mean, I remember, you know, 2016. I think it was the second game of the season. They came out, they blew out Jacksonville in week one, and I believe they were at Chicago on Monday Night Football in 2016. And I remember watching him, you know, checking out of plays, you know, making good throws, being smart. And I said, like, oh, my God, they, they've got the next Peyton Manning. They've got the next quarterback that for the next 15 years – no matter what happens around him, you know, you've got a shot because you've got Carson Wentz. And then, you know, 2016 overall was positive. He certainly had his hiccups, but you come back and you look at the way that he played those first 12, 13 games in 2017. And you just felt like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like we absolutely have this guy. And whether it was the injuries that derailed him, whether it was the Eagles winning the Super Bowl sent him through some type of mental tailspin, whether it was that there was just personality conflicts in that locker room, whatever the case may be, like, he was given a lot of money. He was given a leadership position and he wasn't able to figure it out. He didn't lead. Guys didn't buy in. Uh, you know, the stories that kind of leaked out and emerged around him, like they leaked out and emerged for a reason because they were true. Mm-hmm. So I just I think it just became clear that he kind of just got wrecked. Maybe he wasn't always this guy, but he is right now. And I think that the Eagles did the right thing in moving on from him. And in fact, even if he goes on to win a Super Bowl in Indy this year or next. I'll still think it was the right thing for the Eagles to do because it was not going to work here.
0: I couldn't agree with you hundred percent more quick before I let you go. Top three things you've learned from fatherhood in week.
1: Uh, dude, sleep is a valuable commodity, a valuable <laughs> commodity and parents will tell you about how hard parenting is. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're just looking for a trophy. Like, you know, trying to be a hero. It is legit hard it's hard. So sleep is a valuable commodity more than you would ever realize. Uh, drink every beer that you can go out every night that you can, <laughs> if you're a social dude, because like one day you're not going to be able to do that anymore. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think those are the two biggest takeaways I've got okay. right now, but oh, it, I'll fuck. tell you what it's, it is, it's awesome. Like People say it all the time, like, oh, you know, changes your life and, like, it it opens your eyes up. It really does a little bit. I don't feel quite so selfish uh, as I did maybe about 10 days ago. So (laughs) those are the things I've learned here early on.
0: Well, we're glad to have you back, and we'll have you back for as long as the uh, Phillies are two and a half games out of uh, the wild card spot.
1: Yeah, I'll talk to you in, uh, next week. There'll be two games out. They'll have uh, only won two out of their last six games, but they'll somehow gain ground and, you know, well, can they do it?
0: For the love of God, please put the foes out of their misery. I had a, I had a goldfish I won from the carnival one time. That thing lasted four years. <laughs> My dad must have hated it. My dad drove middle schoolers for a living on a bus. And I think cleaning out that stupid fish tank was the worst part of his week. Like yeah, I didn't think I'll this thing was going to live four years, let alone four days.
1: I'm right there with you. And along those lines, I wrote it in story, Like, and I get why they do it on the telecast. I understand it. For the love of God, no more out-of-town scoreboard. I don't... <laughs> the Phillies have lost four out of five games to the Rockies and the Cubs, and we're checking in the play-by-play on what the Mets are doing. Hey, the Cardinals are down 3-2 in the fifth. Like, come on, man. What are we talking about?
0: I love the out-of-town scoreboard. It makes me laugh. Oh,
1: yeah, second on the Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. Phillies trail here 7 is 7-1. They've lost four out of five games to teams that are combined 46 games under 500 on the road this season. But good news, sports fans. <laughs> the Cardinals, the Reds, and the Mets, well, they're losing tonight, so all is A-OK.
0: <laughs> I feel like every time it's like Juan Soto just hit a two-run home run to put the Nationals up over the Braves. But we're losing here 10 yeah. nothing. <laughs>
1: Well, listen. Like, it's nothing against T-Mac. It's nothing against that broadcast <laughs> team. Like, listen, like, the the product that you're watching is so bad and so soul crushing as a fan, right? That like, you need a little, you need a little taste. You need a little treat. Like, hey, I know that you uh, you literally want to rip your eyes out and throw them across the room right now. But don't worry, fans, because the people in Cincinnati they hate their team too. The Cardinals are choking, and of course. It could be worse, you could be a Mets fan, you know? Uh so there's that.
0: I'm gonna need Kruk to kind of just bite the bullet and be like, hey man, I need you on the broadcast for the rest of the year. Like I, I <laughs> sorry, Ruben, you're better in the uh you're better in the studio with Bark Cannon Bow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's tough too, because like, you know, Ricky Bowe from like mid-May when they have a bad loss. I mean, hell, mid mid-April when they have a bad loss is like, this is a disgrace. <laughs> like, this team, this team needs to look in the mirror. Like, we're on. We're on, I think, our 72nd episode of Phillies Post Game Live this season in which it's like, this team needs to look in the mirror. This team doesn't need to look in the mirror anymore. This team needs to take their head, bring the mirror up to it, and smash their head through the mirror and just pass out until next April.
0: And that's Bob Weichel. Go follow him at Crossing Broad and go read go read all the Phillies content you can because there's not going to be much more for the next two to three weeks.